0: Welcome to the
1: Club Dub Football
2: Podcast, where the only question is,
0: does your team make
2: it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Club Dub Football Podcast. And this week's episode could not be more exciting, as we get to preview Super Bowl 55 from Raymond James Stadium between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, before we get into our predictions and insights into what we feel could happen in the biggest of big games, I do want to take a moment to remind you that even when the Super Bowl is finished, we'll be helping those NFL fans who are afraid of going cold turkey for a whole off season by providing a weekly show with news around your favourite franchises, bringing you all the spring storylines as they develop, and also taking time to focus on the draft and, beyond that, training camp. So make sure you keep listening to our podcast, which drops on Spotify and other outlets every Friday morning. And also remember, you can get in touch. You can email us at clubdubpodcast at mail.com or find us on Twitter at clubdubpodcast. You like that? You like that? I'm Rob Rose, and now let's welcome in JB, PB and Aldrin to get on with the show. So welcome, gentlemen, the show that we've been waiting the whole year for and a chance to talk about the Super Bowl. But before we get into that, it's been a sneaky big week for news around the NFL. And before we throw ourselves into this weekend's game, I was keen to get thoughts on what you think of the blockbuster trade between the Los Angeles Rams and the Detroit Lions, everybody. So JB, do you want to uh, take this first?
3: Uh, Yeah, happy to. Um, I think there are positives for both teams. Um, The Rams get a quarterback that I think Sean McVay is going to have more faith in by all accounts. But a quarterback who, with the level of experience he's got and kind of what he's shown in the league, isn't going to be afraid to sort of uh, go in with that gunslinger mentality that Jared Goff's never really shown. I think Goff has been labelled as a game manager, and I think that's not what McVeigh wants. McVeigh wants someone that can bring that kind of explosion, someone that is kind of epitomised in what Matthew Stafford brings to the game. I think it's an interesting trade for the Lions because, by all accounts, they seem very interested in Jared Goff. They seem positive and are saying the right things about him being their quarterback. But part of me is kind of remembering when the Browns traded for Brock Osweiler from the Texans and said all of the same kind of things. And realistically it was dump him as soon as they got the opportunity. So it's got some intrigue for the Lions, especially with the the draft capital. They're now going to have to rebuild the team again. But I think it kind of favors the Rams really.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a really funny one because we were talking about this earlier in the week and just the number of first round picks they've given away is just testament to how keen the Rams were to move on from Jared Goff. And, you know, you can talk about Les Sneed and him, you know, being quite smart, I think, with their picks in, in some ways in that, you know, he um, he appreciates that. Even a first round pick is never a guaranteed lock in the NFL. And if you can get a, a guaranteed starter that's proven experience, you know, like they did with Jalen Ramsey and obviously um now Matt Stafford, you know, that gives you a bit more surety. But I do think we have to go back to why they've had to give up so much. You know, it's not far removed from them making the Super Bowl and giving him that mammoth contract that I think probably we all thought at that time. You know, we haven't maybe seen enough from Goff to warrant that level of commitment um, from the Rams, I think. And it's it's that kind of rapid downturn and the the unseemly divorce that they've had to endure um, that you've got to call into question, you know, that front office and how they've orchestrated that.
1: I think that's, you kind of hit the nail on the head in a way there. There's something has gone on behind the scenes there and, you know, something's gone on to cause them to fall out, to, to have this rapid decline. You know, I know Goff's play wasn't great at the end of the season or, or all the way through the season, really. I don't think, you know, I don't think he's that upper echelon of quarterback. I don't think he's in the top 10 quarterbacks in the league, for example. Um, But going back to JB's point about the Lions saying the right things about, Goff going there and being their quarterback well you only have to go back to the week before to, to Dan Campbell's comments about you know being a team that bites people's kneecaps and gets knocked down and gets back up and punches you in the face and all this kind of stuff and that doesn't really strike me as you know Jared Goff fitting into that mold so I think they're saying the right things but but I think they're going to give Goff a shot and, and it'll be interesting to see how he gets on there you know and, and see what weapons they can surround him with.
2: See I think for me, the the Lions definitely win. I mean, absolutely right, Aldrin. You know, we've seen Les sneed use picks for trades rather than, you know, draft capital in the past. And I, I think there's kind of uh, a kind of smart one there. But let's not forget that the contract they're so keen to get out of is a contract that they handed over. You know, they they ended up paying him the big bucks. To your point, filler I think Jared Goff is... Firstly, I think he's probably you know, maybe around that kind of Kirk Cousins area where with the right weapons around him, he can be very effective. And actually the one point, I suppose I slightly disagree, is with the Lions being very much run first. And I mean, Ling coming in as OC, kind of absolutely, you know, kind of hammers home that point, they're going to be run first. I think actually that suits Goff an awful lot. Uh, I think when when Goff has, has looked at his best. And actually, when you think back to the Rams and you look back to McVeigh, when a rams McVeigh team has looked its best, you know, its identity has not been pass or run, but actually a really nice balance of the two. Yeah, he's expensive. You know, yes, he's, he's an awful lot of salary to carry for what the next couple of years. But ultimately, I think they're getting a younger quarterback who they can do interesting things with. I'm just not sold on Matt Stafford, possibly. Older um had his injury problems you know has basically been you know chucked to the ground so many times in Detroit that, that that's not a massive surprise but when you hear these quotes you know that are flying around about you know now Sean McVay's got Matt Stafford watch out I think that's a really nice off-season narrative because in the off-season everyone's healthy you know in the off-season everyone's fit and you just get to play that fantasy football mentality I I'm maybe not as convinced about the Stafford side of things. If anything, my final point is in an off season where I think we're going to have a quarterback merry-go-round, what a pity almost that two of the most interesting pieces take each other off the board. You know, I think now with Stafford and Goff kind of going in opposite direction, it does make you think about, you know, what might happen beyond this, but, um, but yeah, I, I think the lions probably win this one for me.
3: Yeah. I think there are, there's something in what you said that I think is an important point to focus on when it comes to the lions. And not just the fact that they are losing a quarterback, a franchise level quarterback, in my opinion, who, as we know, can throw the ball if you need him to throw the ball. Comparing Jared Goff to Kirk Cousins, as we've seen with the Vikings kind of this year and last year, Cousins is at his best when they establish the run and then they run off play action when he's got a field that he can diagnose and he can pick the right pass to throw to. The Lions have not had a thousand-yard rusher since Reggie Bush in 2013. The Lions run game has has been stagnant and really an abomination for as long as we've been like we've been watching the league as a as a group together. Do they have the offensive line that can create holes for what, DeAndre Swift? Or, or whoever it is that they bring in potentially to to take that role, Goff needs a strong supporting cast around him to be successful.
2: Well, you've got a lot of picks now in Detroit, and the ability to potentially trade a few, you know, trade down in a few key spots to have even more. I mean, the the, the last point for me on on the whole Matthew Stafford thing is. You know, Phil made the point, is Jared Goff a top 10 quarterback in the NFL? No. And I think that's probably about right. He's maybe 15 to 20, that kind of range. I think starter, but no better. But do you know what? If I was to get pen and paper and write a list, is Matthew Stafford one of the top 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL? I think I'd get to 10 very quickly before I even think about putting Matthew Stafford's name on that list. So, So I think the Rams have paid, you know, a heavy price for somebody they obviously have faith in. And um, if they weren't in the NFC West, I'd say good luck to them. But as they are, never mind.
1: Never let bias get
2: in the way of uh, a fair conference. Never, never let the facts get in the way of a good story, right? So um,
0: I, I was going to say, on, just on that point, Phil, I look forward to your commentary of the Chiefs-Bucks game.
1: <laughs> Not sure what you mean.
2: So in terms of that, I mean, Blimey, we're a few minutes in already and we've not talked about Super Bowl 55 in any detail. So let's absolutely get that out of the way. What an absolutely mouth-watering prospect this is. So how on earth do you talk about it in a group of four? Well, what we've devised is we're going to talk about each team in turn and we're going to go defence first. And I'm going to say we're going to plumb for the Kansas City Chiefs. So if I can throw over to you, JB, in terms of defence, who do you think the key pieces for the Kansas City Chiefs are and what do they need to do to be lifting the Lombardi on Sunday?
3: Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Brait, playoff Lenny. That is an good exhaustive chat. This good defense. Oh, sh- <laughs> sorry, but I had a point that I was going to make. The Bucks have all of those different pieces to play with. I think in terms of the most important people or the key person on the defense, I think it's Tyron Matthew, his role. He is absolutely the heart of it. You see it on game day when they make a play, he's there beating his chest, cheering everybody up, getting everybody going. I think the chiefs defense will go as he goes. And I think he will go into this looking to kind of cement himself as one of the best defensive players we've seen.
0: Yeah, I think he is such a leader on that team. I mean, you talked about it there, but he is that heartbeat of that defence. I think the Chiefs just need to almost replicate what they did last week against the Bills. I think they did a tremendous job and stepped up, probably in a way that I didn't necessarily see them capable of before. I thought, you know, sometimes this season it feels like the Chiefs have just gone and thought we'll outscore whoever we we're up against. And it doesn't necessarily matter how locked in we are on defense, but you get to the playoffs and you've seen players like Chris Jones and Frank Clark kind of step up, start to put pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And they did that really effectively against what has been an almost unstoppable Josh Allen. I know we talked about him at length before, but, you know, I think equally somebody like Bashard Breeland is a real key cog for them. I think, you know, he's a he's an experienced head. He's a vet. He knows, you know, what he needs to do in coverage. And, you know, like you've kind of rightly called out, James, they've got a real game on their hands up against some real offensive talent. I think from what I saw from Brady last week, if you can get a bit of pressure in his face, you can force him to throw. And as we saw last week, when he's, you know in a bit of an urgent mode and trying to fling the ball away, he can be picked. And I I kind of said to you guys last week when we were talking about the coverage, you know, I I don't think that, that Green Bay made the Buccaneers pay last week for those interceptions, particularly. The Chiefs are a team that really could penalize the bucks for those interceptions and those those turnovers could quickly become you know 6 12 however many points on the board
1: i think you're right when you say that the packers didn't make the bucks pay because there were three turnovers that didn't lead to 20 points some of that's down to the packers but arguably a lot of that's down to the bucks' team that i'm sure we'll get onto but you know when it you come to two interceptions and stuff like that i think talking about injuries lagarius needs going to be a real big miss at corner for the for the Chiefs, you know he's had a great rookie season. He's been a big part of that D, um, and as James said, Matthews, I think the one that we've got to watch out for, you know, I, th- I think he's going to be the real difference maker. They're absolutely their standout player. I'd say he's probably the heartbeat of their D, and Brady has to know that if he's going for those deep shots, you know, Matthew there at safety is. You know, going to have a real a real say because he'll know that a, you know a, a turnover like that can be a real game changer. So, I think he's definitely the one to watch out for on the Chiefs' D. And I think if he has a good game, you know, it, it's going to be well, it's going to be tough for the Bucks anyway. But if he has a really good game then I you know I think it's it makes it an easier task for the Chiefs
2: I think to pick up on a few points I think I'm broadly in agreement I think Tyron Matthew you know is a big game player in the biggest of games you know had a, a a great time a year ago I just think like you guys turnovers could be really critical with two offenses that can score so many points you know if somebody like I think you mentioned Aldrin Clark we've mentioned Matthew enough times you know all it takes is for one or two guys on that defence to make one or two big plays. And in a game like this, they could absolutely write themselves into, you know, Super Bowl folklore. You know, it it could be one of those games where both teams score upwards of 30 points. I could certainly see that happening. Yet it being a defensive player, kind of like the Malcolm Butler storyline from from Patriot Seahawks and so on, that ends up taking the headlines. Because if the game goes as, I, I think a lot of neutrals would like it to go, you know, and you get to see you know, these offenses put on a show, it could still be the defensive players that make a difference. So if that's the Chiefs, JB, I'm coming over to you to talk about the D now of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What should we be looking out for? Health. Not wanting to potentially
3: take too many points away from our resident Tampa Bay expert. But in the build-up here, we're talking about Devon White, who I think is his hamstring that he's not sure about jpp has been missing some practice it's a bit of a banged up tampa bay defense and that's going to be something that you'll see the chiefs attack because andy Reid, eric b are, are great at that kind of thing and we talked about turnovers for the chiefs defense it could be a turnover from the Bucks that could change everything
1: just to correct on one point it's levante david who's had the hamstring injury but He felt it, I think, towards the end of the Green Bay game, but it would take, you know, something pretty drastic to keep him out of the game, I think. If you look at the other, you know, injuries and the injury report, Jason Pierre-Paul's not practised for a couple of days, or he practised today, actually, but he's done that all throughout the season. I think it's their way of of managing him through, and even in those weeks where he's barely practised, you know, he's come into the game and been a difference maker, especially in the playoffs. I think, you know, you've seen that. You know, last year, Shaq Barrett took all the headlines, NFL leading number of sacks um, but this year it's been spread out a bit more and I think Pierre Paul's you know really really had a great season which is amazing considering where he was with you know after his car accident injury wise you know the one that I'm probably unsure of playing is, is Jordan Whitehead but then with Winfield back and Edwards playing well you know picking off Drew Brees against the Saints right at the end of the game for example you know I'm, I'm not so worried about that but then you can see against Green Bay how much of a difference maker he can be so um, I think we went into the playoffs with question marks about the Bucks secondary and, and you know we know we've got the the number one or number two um or the number one run defense you know for two years in a row it's the secondary where that really causes problems and you just go back to the the first game this season against the Chiefs our first game this season against the Chiefs where Tyreek Hill torched us for about 200 odd yards in the first quarter and two touchdowns you know there's that the I think it was the first touchdown he scored or he was so far ahead. He turned around and backflipped into the end zone. You know, you you don't forget things like that and and we've got to make sure that we've got him covered and and you've always got that double threat, don't you? You're going to double cover Kelsey. You're going to double, double cover Hill. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a defensive MVP in this game. You know, Devin White, Jason Pierre-Paul, both coming on strong to, to finish the playoffs. It's going to be a real interesting game. But, and if I'm Patrick Mahomes, I'm hoping that my toes healed up because I don't want Devin White, you know, Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre Paul barreling at me because it's it's not going to be a fun evening.
0: The point that I'm going to pick on there for the the Bucks defense is that first game against the Chiefs and like you touched on those those 200 yards in a quarter that Tyreek Hill put up and what is it? Carlton Davis is going to have a bloody tough evening if he's going to uh, <laughs> if he's going to be defensive MVP because he's got to chase Tyreek Hill again. If I'm Tyreek Hill, I'm licking my lips after that last game. I think I can I can run past this guy at ease. He's not stopping me at the line of scrimmage. And I know that Mahomes is going to find me. So I think you're really you're you're spot on calling out some of those core defensive players for the Bucs because they are crucial to you know, putting Mahomes homes under pressure. And I think that is the one area that the Bucks have been exceptionally good at this whole year. They've been really good at stopping the run. And obviously that means that you can focus on other areas of the field. I think they've done, you know, they've done pretty well, in, you know, across the middle of the field at linebacker. They've, you know, they're going to have to step up because Kelsey is, a different league from you know some of the other players that they'll play but they can certainly um do a good job on him but it's I, I've kind of talked about it when we whenever we've spoken about the Bucks and the the cornerback position that secondary is where I see a real weakness and I think that unfortunately for the Bucks is just one area that the Chiefs can exploit so well with Mikal Hardman and Tyreek Hill. You've got jet setters on the outside and they're you know, speed is so difficult to cover. Never mind the the ability that Tyreek Hill has. Just the pace alone is so difficult to cover. So
1: they started. The secondary started calling themselves the Grave Diggers, haven't they? You know, and they've got that whole. We've said it with the other teams, haven't we? With the Bills, that you know, a few weeks back, and uh, I can't remember who it was before. Then was it the Browns, where you you have that aura around you, and you you go into a game with that aura, thinking. know that you're you're going to do something special and that kind of can can get into the head of the other team but i think the only
0: thing with the only thing with calling yourselves the gravediggers is i mean tyreek hill might come back to haunt you
1: well yeah there you go good one (laughs) (laughs) but i think what you've got to take into account in in that first game is that we didn't really have a great pass rush and you know as i said before the last game and as it proved to be vita vea coming back from injury has such a massive effect on that pass rush i think we sacked rogers five times um and, and you know, so that first game Mahomes had so much time because he wasn't getting pressured, you know, that he could find those balls. But if you're getting if you're getting pressured by, you know, Shaq Barrett and by Jason Pierre-Paul because Vita Vea is collapsing the pocket and you haven't got so much time to throw, you know, then your throws could be a little bit off or, or you might not get the right read. And then it brings that that secondary into it a little bit more. So I think it's you know, you can't underestimate how important that Bucks pass rush is in terms of helping to protect our secondary
2: there's a few nice signs from the secondary in the playoffs, namely turnovers, namely the fact that they've been able to get interceptions, been able to get good field position for the offense from time to time against good teams. I mean, you know, they they came in as what, sixth seed, but I mean, you know, the Saints and, and now the Packers are two really strong back-to-back performances. But I think there's really three. Uh, I get your point around vea but I think JPP, Sack Barrett and White, are your, your three key pieces. White, because of Travis Kelsey. I think, you know, if you look at Hill, they're the number one seed for a reason. You know, find me a quarterback who's really, truly kept someone like Tyreek Hill quiet. If the quarterback's got time to throw, you can't give Mahomes time to throw the ball. Can you? You've got to have pressure on the quarterback for any secondary to have a chance against those players. But I think the Kelsey against White, it was interesting looking at Todd Bowles' interview. And obviously there are a, a plethora of Super Bowl week interviews, you know, that are around. But there was a quote where he said White reminded him of Ray Lewis. Now that's pretty high praise. I mean, I mean, if you're gonna pick a name out in Super Bowl week to compare him to, you know, arguably, you know, along along with what Singletree, probably the greatest linebacker to play the game. And I think, you know, we talked about Tyron Matthew, you know, big time players you know, putting themselves in the spotlight in big games. I think White needs to have a monster of a game. You know, Travis Kelsey, what, fourteen hundred yards, you need to keep him to less than a hundred really as as a as a Bucks defense on Sunday because you just you know that they use Travis Kelsey so much on those key third downs to move the ball. But um, you know, nothing's impossible. Two good teams, but I think actually the secondary what secondary can stop Hill? I think you have to think further. And I think you have to think about pressure on the court about, like you guys were saying.
1: You're absolutely right. And actually, it was, I was going to make a point after JB spoke about Todd Bowles. You know, for me, he's one of the best, if not the best coordinators in the league at making adjustments at halftime. And that Chiefs game is, is probably a good point of that because we got absolutely torched in the first half. Second half, the Bucks came out. And, and you know, clawed it back so we only ended up losing by three points. I think Bowles makes some amazing adjustments.
0: I think it's I think it's easy to say that Todd Bowles made lots of great adjustments against the Chiefs. But equally the Chiefs were close to 30 points up at that point. They you know they took the second half off, let's be honest. And I know it was close, but leave the ball in Mahomes' hand towards the end of the game and it's gonna finish. So
2: Maybe the Super Bowl helps with that though, because we had a bit of this last year didn't we against the 49ers where the Chiefs didn't and I mean it's a huge occasion. You know, it's a massive occasion, and you just think it, it kind of a little bit of that storyline played out with the Packers, though, didn't it, against the Bucks? That actually Rogers kind of started a bit awkwardly, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get into the end of the first quarter, you've you've not really made that many big plays, you've not got points on the board, and you just wonder if that scoreboard pressure could um, could play a part. So, yeah, I, I can certainly see a route to a Bucks win that way.
3: I think the Devin White Ray Lewis comparison is very good. I think. Devin White has the potential to go down as one of the best linebackers
2: we've seen in the league, matching Ray Lewis. So, look, we've primed this up beautifully by talking defence in a game where everyone wants to talk offence. So now the shackles are off. Let's go back to the Kansas City Chiefs. And um, JB, as has been customary on this pod so far, how about you kick us off with the offensive of? kansas city
3: there are two points that i think are the main things for discussion and the main things to be aware of going into the game firstly is the state of the chiefs offensive line obviously standout left tackle eric fisher tore an acl in the championship game so he's out We've then also had the issues this week with the fact that their starting center has been on the COVID list because of getting a haircut and the barber testing positive and him being in close contact. Now he's not injured. They think he will make the game because he's still continuing to test uh, negative. So he will still by all accounts at the moment, suit up to snap the ball to Patrick Mahomes on Sunday. But missing those practice reps is going to be important. And the other point I think that we need to consider is, as we have talked about quite a bit when we've talked about the Chiefs so far on these podcasts, we're now at the final game of the season. This is it. It's all or nothing. Are we finally going to see the Chiefs that we have been expecting to see for the majority of the season? Kind of like Rob has said. We talked about, how explosive Tyreek Hill is. We've talked about how dangerous Patrick Mahomes is. We've talked about how ingenious Andy Reid and Eric B. Enemy could be and what they scheme up and what they call. And we still, to my mind at least, haven't seen the Chiefs get out of third gear for any game. Even last week against the Bills, I still don't think they were emptying even half of a barrel, let alone giving it both.
0: I think your point, JB, there is really... Interesting, valid, but funny one as well. You know, you talk about they didn't get out of third gear against the Bills, yet they put up twenty point twenty one points in a single quarter. You know, they're even when they're not at the top of their game, they're blitzing teams and taking them apart without even really having to try. And I think that that for me is the thing that sets this Chiefs team apart from maybe the one we saw win the Super Bowl last year, in that. Last year, getting to the Super Bowl was a bit of a struggle, right? You know, they had playoff games where they were down what they were down what twenty-one points against the Texans at one point, and I I know it was an absolute monster game and a masterclass from Mahomes, but you know they had a real struggle getting to the the Super Bowl. They had to overcome quite a lot of adversity. They had to overturn some big deficits in games. And this year, you know, we talk about them not getting out of third gear, but they've kind of cruised to the Super Bowl. They've not had, you know, they, they took the Bills apart. They took the Browns apart. Not really struggled in any of the games. Not looked like, oh, it's going to be tight. We need a bit of Mahomes magic. You know, it's just been clinical, Mahomes. He's moved them down the field. They put up touchdowns when they need to put up touchdowns. And they've been safe with the ball. So I think to say that they've not got out of third gear, isn't an injustice to them, but it also, I think it just shows how strong they are. You know, they've got such a star-studded offense and they've got so much talent. You know, you've got Sammy Watkins back from injury probably this time. And you think he was a crucial piece last year in getting them to the Super Bowl and in the Super Bowl. They've got Mikko Hardman playing a lot better than he did in his rookie season. And even on, you know, punt return or kickoff duty, he looks monstrous. Tyreek Hill is going to torch somebody at cornerback on Sunday at, at some point because you can't stop him all game. Like Rob said, who stopped him for a whole game unless you get incredible pressure, which you just can't maintain for for a whole game. So for me, the one guy that I look at on the offense is Kelsey. You know, Kelsey is the embodiment of what you want in an NFL tight end. He can run, he can catch, he can block. You know, you're arguably talking about probably two of the greatest tight ends in the game going up against one another in Gronkowski, who's probably on the downturn and Kelsey, who's, you know, year on year putting up best, better numbers. He's better this year than he was last year. And that's been the case every year of his career. And you forget that him and Gronkowski are the same age. You know, they're exactly the same age and Kelsey is still getting better and better. And you're thinking, you know, that desire that he shows, I think, is the, the key thing. He is the embodiment of a winner in that locker room. So for me, he's the one to watch. And I think, you know, we've talked about it, And the Bucks' defence across the middle is going to have a, a real tough game on their hands. But the reason they're going to have a tough game on their hands is they've probably got the best tight end, um, I think, that we've seen in the league, you know, going up against them. So that's a real t- tall order for me.
1: I think you're right on, on Kelsey. You know, he's one of the things, though, you know, you talk about, about Gronk as well. And I think one of the things where Gronk outplays him still is in his blocking. And I think that's going to be a big part of it on Sunday when you consider that, you know, after Eric Fisher tore his Achilles, they're now missing, the Chiefs are missing both their left and right starting tackle. It's interesting. It's going to be an interesting battle. But I think for Kelsey, everybody knows he can catch the ball. Everybody knows he can make big plays, but it's going to be how he performs in the blocking that I think is is really going to make an effect for the Chiefs this weekend. You know, it, can he block effectively when we've got that fierce, when the Bucks have got that fierce and pass rush going?
2: So to go back a couple of points and, and kind of loop round to where we are now. Firstly, on, on the point of the Chiefs, I mean, like you say, this time last year, the Chiefs were going into a Super Bowl and everyone really had probably earmarked what the Lamar Jackson Ravens, I think from the AFC to that point, they, they were kind of the steamroller that, you know, got tripped up almost by the Titans, but yeah, an absolutely bona fide number one seed that like you've said, JB, hasn't really taken the roof off yet. And the one thing I think, and we'll, we'll do this on the Tampa Bay side of the ball in a minute is if you're looking at the two head coaches alone, you know, and we we focus very much on players, you know, before coaches on this offensive chat so far. You're going to see something new from both of these teams on Sunday, right? You're not telling me that that Bruce Arians or 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 you know whether we're going to say it's it's going to be Andy Reid or the enemy that that cooks this stuff up. That we're not going to see things that you've not seen before. I think that that makes for a really interesting kind of cocktail on Sunday that you know we could be treated to something really a, a game of the ages in a lot of ways. But yet yeah, to this point, Kansas city, a bonafide number one seed this time round. Um, and I was doing my um, weekly podcast research, looking through thinking, what can you say about Patrick Mahomes, particularly that's not been said before. And actually I came across a stat that wasn't something he'd done, but something he'd never done. And I am still bewildered by this Patrick Mahomes has never lost an NFL game by more than eight points. So when he has been on the losing side, he has never lost by more than one score. And if we're talking about, you know, we've talked about, you know, them coming back from deficits last year against the Texans and so on. It's not like they've never been down before, but they just find, you talked about Todd Bowles making adjustments on the defensive side of the ball. Um, PB, their ability to just find big plays, their ability to just cook something up and make something happen is just second to none. And I think that could be one of the big challenges for Tampa Bay this Sunday is in a close game, you don't want Mahomes with the ball in his hand with two and a half minutes to go. Do you You know that they're almost that predictable and that metronomic when it comes to big playability?
3: To kind of bring a little bit of history back into it the following the first Super Bowl that I I watched with you guys the the Bronco Seahawks sort of that week having it off work I watched a highlight video someone had put together of the Seahawks regular season and I think it was a New Orleans Seattle game that they were talking about on ESPN and almost all of the talking heads were like oh Drew Brees has the experience. Sean Payton's got the experience. The Saints are a better team. Only one went for the Seahawks. And he talked about how we still didn't know then how special a player Russell Wilson could be. And I think as has been proven, Russell Wilson has gone on to be. I think you apply that same logic to Patrick Mahomes. I still think there is part of it that is just, I don't think we're even anywhere close to getting the Mahomes that he will eventually evolve into. You look at the situation with Brady. Brady is in, what, 42, 43 and still playing at an incredibly high level. Not necessarily in his prime, but he hasn't hit that gradual decline that you saw with people like Breeze and and Peyton Manning and the like. Mahomes has so much time ahead of him to to set records, to do amazing things. And I really don't think we've even seen a hint of that yet.
2: So if that's the Kansas City Chiefs, um, shall we throw over and talk offence when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Now, we've been used to going JB first in our little merry-go-round. Um, but Phil, it, it would be remiss of us, wouldn't it, to not give you the stage and let you talk about your beloved, but...
1: I'm more positive about our D, I think, than our, uh, our offence. But, I mean, what can you say? You know, it looks like Antonio Brown's going to play. You know, how, how well he plays, when, in what condition his knee is, I don't know. But, you know, playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette, Rojo, Ronald Jones, you've got Evans, Fournette, Scotty Miller, uh, Chris Godwin, Gronk, Cam Bray, you know, Antonio Brown. There's, there's so many you know, options there. So if Brady's got the ball in his hands, you know, you talk about needing to to double cover Kelsey or double cover Hill and which one's he going to go to almost, you know, it's, it's one of those big two. Well, if Brady's got the ball in his hands, he's got so many options to go to, you know? So, you know, it, it could be a real shootout game. It could be like the Patriots-Eagles game from three years ago. And it's uh, three years today as we record this. If we can catch fire, like we have done so far in the playoffs, you know, I wouldn't want to be a Chiefs defense playing us. Um, you know, Brady's not going to, he always says that the, his most important ring or his favourite ring is the next one. And he's, you know, he's won six out of nine and, and to go seven out of 10 would be absolutely fantastic. And
0: I think you're bang on they clicked at the right time and they've got so much talent. Like you said, when you just talk about some of those names, you think about how elite they are, you know, Antonio Brown, an exceptional player on the field I think Scotty Miller has shown that he can make plays um, this year. Certainly for me, Mike Evans is the one I've thought for a number of years that he is a real elite top kind of top five receiver, almost the way he can bring the ball down in any kind of situation under any kind of pressure. Um, He's a big game player for me. And I think that he's going to be the guy, the spark um, to drive them down the field I think, I mean, what more can you say about Tom Brady? I mean, he's the best that's ever done it and is still playing at such a high level. My only concern, and it it kind of comes back to my point about that, um, you know, that Green Bay game is that under pressure and if they have to go for a big you know big plays to get back in the game, can he do it under pressure last week against, let's be honest, what hasn't been a particularly great Green Bay pass rush, he was throwing the ball away to nowhere and, you know, three picks is easily 21 points for the Kansas City Chiefs if if that happens this game. So I think their key thing is avoiding those turnovers because you do not want to put the ball back in Patrick Mahomes' hands. And the only thing I don't think we've talked about that I do think is going to be crucial is the home field advantage. Kansas City will be traveling on Saturday, only getting into Tampa then. That's a big thing for them. I know they're not going to be firing the cannons, as Phil would probably love to see, um, to try and keep that neutrality of the ground. But don't underestimate the, the importance of being at home um, being amongst your own fans, you know, there are going to be Bucks fans there and that's going to be incredible. You know, we've never seen it. It's it's going to be great to have a, a home team going into a home game. They're going to be buzzing. So I think that's, you know, that's going to be great for them.
1: You're right about the cannons. I think if you, you are good enough to earn home field advantage in a Super Bowl, like you know let them do it i'm sure the chiefs went. i did see a, a post on twitter or online somewhere that said uh you know they'd get a gofundme started to pay any fines that they get for it but you know ultimately you've got to score points before we we fire any cannons so why don't we make sure we do that first before worrying about that the home field advantage thing you're you know th- those home comforts it's going to be interesting to see if that does play a part albeit we've probably played better away from ray j
3: i think there's a lot of good points that the both of you just made there and Uh, To borrow from Dan Fouts in the seminal Adam Sandler classic, The Waterboy, it's the last game of the season, can't hold anything back. I think to to kind of bring in Antonio Brown as a threat on the field. Yes, I think he will be a part of the game plan, but could conceivably be a a dummy. I mean, we think back to what the story of when Mike Shanahan put Terrell Davis in when the Broncos won a Super Bowl when he couldn't see because he had a migraine, and the answer was it's fine, we're not going to run it, but they won't think we are if you're not out there. Brown could conceivably line up and not run anything, but if he's out there, you have to cover him because if he is a hundred percent, he can do a lot of damage. I think the other point around home field advantage may not necessarily apply because obviously it's a Super Bowl, it is kind of neutral turf it is. It's not a, a home game for one and a road game for the other. But there is an element of Tampa Bay have been at home. Like you said, Tampa Bay have been relaxing, going through their normal process, while the Chiefs have been in Kansas City worrying about who in their team might have the coronavirus. I, I think we're right to highlight Brady as kind of the important thing for the positives and the negatives that we've outlined. Yes. Brady has issues with pressure, but this is the record extending 10th Super Bowl appearance for Tom Brady. He's won six. He is a four time Super Bowl MVP. If there is one player in this league that knows what it's like to get to the Super Bowl and know what it takes to win one, it's
0: him. He's shown why, you know, he is the guy. I think he's shown that leadership. You know, Phil talked about it before when, you know, he goes around the locker room and he's talking about the only ring I like is the next one. Rob made a really good point the other week when we were talking off air about, you know, Brady's not bothered about legacy. He's not bothered about any of that kind of furore. He just, he's a winner. And that is the one thing that sets him apart from, I think, any other quarterback
2: we've seen. I I think to make My point around the Buccaneers, I mean, they've kind of been touched on in a number of ways, but let's look at it from another angle. I want to take – so Jason Light, the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? What an incredible job that is. I mean, if you think this is a Tom Brady that we're talking about and thinking, you know, wow, this guy's got more rings than any other quarterback to play the game and all of these things, this was a guy that was allowed to walk out of New England, you know, because he's, what, coming up to 42 years old at that point. And not only finds a home in Tampa Bay, but is absolutely built around. I mean, it's one thing, you know, after you've won the the NFC Championship, you know, Bruce Arians saying, oh, you know, Tom just gave everybody belief that we could do it and it could happen. He's a winner. I get that. and, And I can see what that could do to a locker room. But they went out and got Gronkowski. They went out and got Antonio Brown. They went out and got pieces that Brady would feel comfortable around. And it takes a lot of bravery to build around a 42-year-old quarterback, regardless of who it is. There's an interesting thing this week, again, out of the interviews that I've been paying attention to during the, the media circus, that not only have you got Todd Bowles saying about White, that he could be the next Ray Lewis, you've got talk that Tom Brady will be extended So they're going to put a contract in front of Brady to give him what a contract that pretty much takes him up to to 45 years of age. Now, do you know what? Maybe that's just the kind of thing that gets told, you know, to reporters in a Super Bowl week. But I mean, they've done an awful lot. You know, everything that we're seeing here suggests they're in this for more than a season, doesn't it, with Brady? I mean, when you've got the Gronks, the Browns, the whole way this has been built has been built with a 42-year-old quarterback at the centre of it. And that is remarkable. I mean, yes, it's Tom Brady, but New England weren't prepared to do this. And you've kind of got to look at the Patriots now. And, you know, we're going to talk in, in future weeks about this quarterback, Carousel, and who ends up where. You know, I think they'd quite happily, you know, have Tom Brady trotting out in blue again, wouldn't they? I mean, you know, he really has been a massive success and Jason Light and what he's built there deserves an awful lot of credit for them even making a Super Bowl, let alone the damage they could do now they're there.
1: I think you're absolutely right. And I, I think, you know, you talk about some of the pieces that he's added now, you know, since getting Brady. So Gronk, Shady McCoy, Fournette, uh, Antonio Brown. But, you know, first of all, he had to have an assembled roster that looked good for Brady to join and, and was a powerful enough you know or an exciting enough proposition that someone like Tom Brady would want to join because there were a number of teams that were in for Brady and you know he would have only gone to, to someone that was a serious contender so you know to build that team and, and some of the players that he's drafted as well I mean you look at last year you know drafting Tristan Wirfs, Anton Winfield Jr, you know Tyler Johnson who who made that incredible catch against the Saints but even going back before that you know Devon White, everybody hits or picks on some of his misses, like, you know, Roberto Aguayo with a second round pick, but he's had his, his fair share of absolutely stunning picks. And yeah, I, I agree with you, Rob. I think he's done an absolutely fantastic job.
2: You know, I love this, this kind of Super Bowl narrative, because as Aldrin said, I think you've got the greatest of all time. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we've grown up watching Brady being told over and over again, you know, there'll never be another, you know, there'll never be a guy that does what he does and part of me looks at Mahomes and thinks, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily counting Patrick Mahomes out of that kind of career, but, but Brady deserves the credit for having so much of that success in the rearview mirror already. You know, the potential Mahomes has got is one thing, and I think what excites me is we're going to see two really aggressive game plans on Sunday. Um, I know you guys have, have touched it, but I'm going to say now, I absolutely predict a shootout.
1: It's interesting you say a shootout. I asked my uh two-year-old son, how many points are going to be scored in the Super Bowl this weekend? And he said two. So he's expecting a, a big defensive battle with it decided by a safety.
2: Yeah. I mean, it could go that way too. <laughs> we're all laughing now when on Monday morning, he could look very wise when you <laughs> on whichever bookmaker you have of choice. So we've all met, like I've seen, you know, Phil's kids. We're, we're probably okay in not trusting that. You if go.
1: you're listening to this in 10 years or 15 years, boys, that was Uncle James.
2: So. For the last time this season, I'm about to go around our virtual room and get your picks. So, because he takes so long, I'm going to go to Phil first. Phil. So long. With Super Bowl 55 only a few days away, who is your pick for Club Dub, sir? I feel as usual, like this is a real brain versus ticker moment uh, to
1: decide... (laughs) I can not say head versus heart again. To decide, I mean, you know, it's hard to look past the Chiefs. They've been great this year. They're the number one team. But I've picked the Bucks all the way through and I've got to stick with them. And, I, you know, I'm really hoping that, that we're going to be celebrating come Sunday night. So I take
0: the Bucks. I am going with the Chiefs. I'm even going to hang my hat on a score. I think
2: it's going to be 38-30. Oh, go on. Let's do scores then. PB, back to you. What, what, are, you, what are you calling it?
1: Bucks 70-0. Uh, no, I'm joking. I don't know. Buccaneers. whoa I don't know. 42 to 35
3: well i think i find myself in a in very much a, a head versus heart conflict here in that i think my head is saying that it will be the chiefs again but my heart does kind of want my brother to enjoy his team winning the super bowl uh, before they descend into being an in absolute shambles again um no, I'm I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well. And I am going to hang it on a 47-45 Chiefs win.
0: Why did um, we bother talking about defence?
2: We've, <laughs> we've all gone mad well, at scores. Who was it earlier who said they reckon we'll have a defensive MVP? That will be quite some story if we get a defensive MVP out of that. Um, here's the thing, right? So um, to steal from PB's um, playoff catchphrase other than him mentioning Leonard Fournette every seven or eight seconds. Um, there was mention it's earlier nice. about Tyreek Hill backflipping into the end zone, right? And I just think that's going to be a clip they show on America's game where Tom Brady tells you how motivated they were after that moment. It's just got that whole storyline. So I'm going bucks. I I just think you know if you go with your head I think you know the, there's too much on the Kansas City side of the ball but there was too much on the Green Bay side of the ball there was too much on the New Orleans side of the ball I think the Buccaneers are going to do it and I'm not going to go quite as bold I'm going to go 28 25 I still have it down as a classic but a little bit lower so does that mean we've ended up with JB did you go did you go Chiefs or Bucks I went with the Kansas City Chiefs. So oh, once I'm,
0: again, we've failed to put a team in Club Dub. The
2: primary purpose of this podcast is to see who we put in Club Dub, and we have yet again failed with a 2-2 tie. So we'll play the music for mine and Phil's choice, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then we'll play the music for James and James's choice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, It's going to be an absolute thriller. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Club Dub Football Podcast. We will be back next week where we round out the biggest game in all of sports and also give you an idea of what's coming through the off-season. But thanks for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen, for your company. And we'll see you all again in a week's time. Bye for now. Let's go, champ.
0: subscribe and be cool tell your friends the game is over the game is over
1: how excited are we looking forward to seeing the weekend do the halftime show i'm really looking forward to that i think it should be a good one
0: not as much as i was looking forward to shakira last year let's put it that way <laughs>